Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, we had planned to record this one on the Sunday night after the West Ham game, but of course, as you know, only too well, the West Ham game was postponed due to inclement weather. Uh, in fact, there was a storm coming over. Now, depending on what the world you're listening to this, you may or may not know this, so forgive me for repeating the obvious, but a storm was coming across the Atlantic uh, and basically was passing through Manchester about the time, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, when the decision was made to call the game off. Um, as we're sitting here now, it would have been half-time, actually, in the game. Um, so... Uh, four of us have got here um, through the weather. There's been a lovely sunny afternoon, ironically. Uh, as we came here, uh, there was hailstone and a bit of a storm. Don't know what it's like out there at the moment, but it has been a mixed day. Uh, but uh, the podcast uh, goes ahead anyway. So um, we're going to talk about all sorts of things together uh, today as ever. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, the sponsors of the podcast. They are, of course, a chartered mortgage advisors. So if you're interested in property and you want to take out a mortgage or you have some friends or family who are interested in looking at mortgages, first of all, have a look at their website, charleslouis.co.uk. Or look at, or as well as maybe, ring the number which is on there, give them a call. They're based in the Greater Manchester area, but you can ring them from anywhere. And I'm sure you will get very good advice as well. And f- feel free to mention Forever Blue as the, the reason that you contacted them. And I'm sure that they will give you extra special service, as if they wouldn't anyway. <laughs> now, the, uh, the gallery in the background, who you could hear doing the ooze, um, are, are Paul and Andy. And we have Will, who often is behind the camera. And he's still technically behind the camera, but he's also in front of the microphone today. So, guys, thanks very much for making the effort in the clement weather to get here and and that of course leads perfectly to the start of this podcast which is about inclement weather uh the first thing i want to ask you is as three people who live in greater manchester or thereabouts what do you make of today's decision did it surprise you um are you completely in favor of it what 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 are your views on the the game being called off today um yeah, I mean, it's no surprise the game was called off. I'm devastated it was called off. Um, for, you know, we'll go into these reasons later. No, no, tell us no. now. <laughs> Get out of your chest. <laughs> right, well, well, I'm the chairman of the supporters club. There's two things, really. I'm chairman of the supporters club, so we were having our plaque given to us today. So it was, um, it was you know, the blue carpet treatment on TV and all the rest of it, free drinks, everything. So me and the secretary, we'd all geared ourselves up ready for this. So the game's called off. So the missus comes up, dead excited. And I said, oh, the game's called off. Should we go to Manchester shopping? Nah, I'm not doing that. So I went down to my mate's house, watched a I'll few do the films. podcast instead. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know, I, I, I want to stay sober for the podcast. Um, anyway, about, oh, about an hour and a half ago now, she uh, rings me up. Um, guess who I'm sat next to? I said, oh, hi, go on. Hello, Spanish accent. It's David Silver. So she's in she's in Costco in Manchester, sat next to, sat next to David Silver, who's got Matteo and his family with him, and they're having a good chat about stuff and the weather and all the rest of the stuff. So I'm absolutely, absolutely devastated. I was excited coming on this podcast tonight, but Not don't anymore. tell it's the wrong way. It's, it's a bit of an anticlimax now, to be honest. So just a little little thing for you out there, people. If your wife says, when the game's cancelled, do you want to go shopping? Say yes. You just never know who's waiting for you. Well, you missed the opportunity to get some advice about a hair transplant there. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I tell you what, that that's a hair transplant that David Silver's got. It's a good one, isn't uh, it? Absolutely, <laughs> that's a proper rug, isn't it? It's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, uh, thinking about it, um, we chatted. Family come to the match as well, so we talked about it yesterday. Saying, you know, well, we'll know. We live west of Manchester, so we get early warning of what it's going to be like. And this morning, it really did look uh, monsoon-like. So we thought, well. We'll be expecting an announcement because we we remember being turned away against Sunderland, British much and glad back and remembering the <laughs> I think the state of the place uh, outside of the ground with you know program stalls going uh, around like balsa wood in the wind. I think um, you know it's no surprise that the game was, was called off. Perhaps more of a surprise to hear that the Pennines has, has acted as a buffer and Sheffield United got to play their game today. But again, I think we all know Bramall Lane quite well. 
it's a very different kind of uh, concourse there and in the middle of a city centre. So I think, you know, they took the decision to play the game and well, you've now got one for the congestion column, I suppose. Well, that is an issue which we'll come on to. Uh, Paul, just uh, aside from your story, are you, uh, I mean, seriously, would you have wanted the game off today or do you think um, it would have gone ahead? It's only an opinion. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I've been to the ground and it's a kind of strange... It's got its own little weather front round the ground, the stadium, the wind and the, the effects of the wind around the stadium. So, um, you know, it's, it's OK for people to say... Oh yeah, you know it's all right in my back garden and everything, but the strange wind effects around that stadium and it does, you know, it blows, you know, program sellers kiosks over and stuff. There's pictures of trees being ripped up as well across the road from the stadium. So in this day and age, you're gonna get it. Years ago, we'd have just turned up and fronted it, wouldn't we? But this day and age now, you've got all the, the duty of care to the supporters and the, you know, and the workers who work there. They've got to get there. So I was expecting it to be honest. It's no surprise. So both of you two broadly in favour of it being called off. What about you, Will? Yeah, I'd have to say I'm in, in agreement, really. I think uh, I think the club were going to lose whatever happened today. If they'd have kept the game on, obviously we saw the weather 20 minutes before we come into the podcast. It was apocalyptic. I was down the M60 and fearful for a couple of minutes. Um, so, yeah, if we'd have all been sat in that and then we'd have all had to have fought our way home with obviously the Metrolink lines down, the M62s down, we'd have been saying surely the easiest thing would have been to call it off. So, obviously, with hindsight, once the announcement was made, about an hour later, it was gorgeous, wasn't it? And I think that's what triggered a lot of people into saying, oh, what a terrible decision. But like Paul said, you've got to think of the safety of everyone involved, everyone travelling up and... The West Ham fans will be disappointed, but I think they'd rather go home and have a a dry day than fighting the way back in what could be pretty bad weather. I actually had, um, you know, when we went to Feyenoord and we met up with them them lads and, and the shoulders around everywhere and everything, they were meeting me today to actually, you know, they'd come over from Feyenoord to watch City play because we'd met them and they, so we're meeting up with them today. So they're flying this morning. Yeah, yeah. So they got in okay. Yeah, they got in, the in okay. But then I texted them this morning because they texted me and said, What time we're meeting? And I said, Have you not heard the game's off? So they've just come around Manchester and had a drink. And, and they, 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 were, they were just sort of like, It's no surprise. Um, you know, so what? We'll just have a drink instead in Manchester. So, you know, they've come a lot further than most, I guess. And, and, they're, and you know, they're okay about it, I guess. You've got to, you've got to accept these things. I believe the Dutch league is completely off, uh, and obviously the Women's Super League is completely off. Uh, a couple of games in Scotland, or certainly one I noticed, is still going ahead, and obviously we know the Sheffield United game. That's a shame, isn't ahead. it? It's a waste of a game of football, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, the only thing I can I'd say is that uh, obviously I had an experience of Borussia Mönchengladbach for one and Sunderland, uh, the two games that were called off at home. And I got to the ground very early for both of those games. And inside the stadium, absolutely no problem. The game could have gone ahead. So clearly the issue is... Ne- I mean, we clubs now pay multi-million pounds and having perfect pitches in all conditions. Uh, the frustrating thing is that when this weather comes, it affects infrastructure, motorways, transport and all the rest of it. The question becomes, how severe has it got to be? Uh, obviously, you look at the timing of it, and when I looked out the window at 11 o'clock this morning, that seemed to be when the deluge was at its worst, and it was about that time that the decision was being made. At uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon, you're sort of looking out the window and thinking, what a lovely day it would have been for a yeah. game of football. I understand the complication of this, and you cannot win whatever you do. Obviously, we also live in a world these days where when, when we, perhaps not Will, but when us three were going to school and there was two foot of snow, we still went and we made slides in the playground, which must have been terrifyingly dangerous if anybody <laughs> stepped on that slide. Um, and everybody got in there and, and there was no problem. Now a few flakes fall down and all the schools are closed within about a 50-mile radius of those three. You, you used to get your slate wet, didn't you? Your chalk would run off your slate board, you know, when you were going on your way to school. <laughs> So the world's different, and I suppose I can sort of understand why why it's been called off as frustrating as it is. The knock-on effect, of course, from that and that, that from that now is that not only have City got to find a gap for the Arsenal game at home, if we beat Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, the Chelsea game moves two, and if we were to make it through the quarter-finals, that would mean another game would move as well as the West Ham game. Now, as we sit in here now on on Sunday evening. 
We don't know when this uh, West Ham game is going to be played. I've heard lots of people saying, well, surely the logical thing to do is to play it next Saturday. Um, I don't think, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, you may already know. So you may think, well, this is, you know, what's he talking about? Maybe it is being played next Saturday. But I don't personally think it's going to be played in this next fortnight. So it'll end up where City have a three-week winter break and then are playing games one after the other in the middle of this period. And if I was a Liverpool supporter or Klopp, or one of the, I'd be laughing my socks off at the moment because they're on their winter break somewhere. It'll be all right when they get back. They haven't got the, uh, the backlog that City have got because obviously they're not in the League Cup final um, and they're quite willing to play their youth team. So this opens up a whole load of questions about whether City should play youth teams now in these rearranged games, when they should be, and you know how, what does City do now going forward in this situation, which has not been brought about by themselves, apart from being very successful and very good. It, it's a good, it's a good question. I know, speaking, touching on Liverpool, that there was even, a, I believe, a need for tickets to be collected from Goodison Park by fans because they closed down many of their operations during the, yeah. the winter break. So I suppose. <clears throat> We have this new thing called the winter break, yet there's an, a clear message from the Premier League saying there's absolutely no way you're meant to be playing football without any exception. So, you know, running running any business, you'd say, well, that's great. You're all working over Christmas because we, we're full on. There's lots of football. And that's the, that's going to be a break where we, we, we give everybody who's an employee of the club, including the players, a chance to rest and recuperate. It makes sense. Um, so from that side, I understand the position taken by uh, Liverpool. Uh, to be honest, I think that, that as it worked out for them anyway, you know, like they've got the run of the rub of the green this season and they're playing exceptionally well, and their youth teams done remarkable things. So well done them. Um, for us, I think the way you painted it there, it's, it, it makes you feel immediately flat that we've got now to wait before we play again after a fairly disappointing performance last week um, and I don't I don't I don't know whether or not a three-week break is good for us or not I'm not really sure whether or not that helps um, us to be able to have more players available due to higher levels of fitness from those that particularly recovering I think in the era of Americ Laporte particularly Leroy Sane certainly um, and from what we are led to believe Raheem Sterling's also picked up an injury last week so there's, there's got to be some uh, silver, cla- silver lining to this, hopefully, that, that, that helps. But again, we're back to playing that frequency of football that normally only happens really at the turn of the year. And um, that could create for us more problems if, we, if we're successful to proceed further in the competitions that we're left in. The irony is, of course, that if City proceed in the Champions League, which clearly we all want them to do, um, the rearranged games, even if they were to go out, can't, in theory, be played in the midweeks when the Champions League are. So you'd think, oh, well, if we go out of the uh, Champions League, at least that will solve the fixture congestion. No, it won't. No, it won't provide the midweeks that are required if UEFA follow through on their insistence that you can't play high-profile top-flight games in your own domestic leagues in the same midweeks as Champions League, which is, frankly, a bit of a farce. I mean, whether they'd make an exception for City, given the circumstances. <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, like, uh, you, you, you come, so we're coming back, well, the weather's a one-off, but you come back to the fact that last season we could have played a maximum 64 games. And that, in fact, we played 61. And with, that was without, as far as I can remember, any replays? Anybody? Recall? I don't remember any, no. Don't think there were replays. So, so you're talking about if you're world beaters, you've got 64 games to play. And it seems to me that as soon as the wheels go off, no matter what, you know, whether it's to do with, if you're successful in several competitions or you get reasons why you can't play the other team, which is another factor, yeah, you're suddenly into this uh, very, very difficult congestion. It comes back to the fact, and the managers do keep bleating about it, but we are being asked to play too, too many games. And perhaps that's a talking point in its own right, really, is just how... Uh, how you can sustain that with um, with the squads that, that, that the, the top teams who are more successful actually have. Am I, am I right in saying Sheffield Wednesday won't go to a replay? <coughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, they stop replays at the fifth round. 
from this season. I mean, obviously, Pep was asked about this fixture congestion, and I was there at the press conference. The trouble is, sometimes when you read it in a newspaper article, it, 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 it isn't reported in quite the way it feels when you sat there listening to him. I'm not saying necessarily that the journalists who are writing the stories are doing it deliberately. Obviously, they've got uh, editors and they've got, to, they've got to write headlines and everything like that, and then it becomes down to interpretation, I suppose. That would be the, the defence of it. But when Pep was asked um, you know, about the injuries to Kane and Rashford... A journalist asked him about you know the effect that would have on England potentially. He gave an answer which said, "Well, if you want, if you want, it's not my country, it's not my culture, and I and I accept your culture. But if you want you, not him, you want to uh, solve this problem, then you play less games, and so you either have two teams less in your domestic league, you don't have replays at all in the FA Cup." And or maybe you don't have the League Cup anymore. And then the headline screams out, Pep says get rid of League Cup, which isn't what he said. No. But nevertheless, that is part of the debate. So I can ask you whether you'd want to get rid of the League Cup. I mean, it seems bizarre now that as we sit here, City haven't played for a week and mm. they're not going to play for two more weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, and yet that, all this fixture congestion lies ahead. You know, it's kind of it's, this is how stupid that it is. Is that they, they've given us a winter break to rest players, yet they'll have a three-week break where they do nothing, and then have loads of games one another. So it's completely undone any good that it was going to do. So, I mean, t- to me, it, it shows two things: one that Liverpool's not got a strong enough squad because they had to pay the kids. If that was us, we could put another team out we could put our B team out if you like and still not affect the mainstream so that just shows you what strength in depth City could have compared to Liverpool that they had to put their under 23s out but City might not have done it I mean if they followed Klopp's lead which is I've promised to take away my whole first team squad so you're saying you know that obviously I mean, this is debatable, but you know, Gundogan and uh, and and John Stones and Phil Ford and some of the players who have not been necessarily playing in every game, they stay behind to fulfil that fixture. Mm. But if Pep did what Klopp's done, then he takes all of them away, and it becomes purely an under twenty three team. I went to watch the under twenty three team against Everton uh, last week, um, and. I can't imagine, I mean, as good as, there are some very talented players, by the way, in that team. Uh, Jaden Braff is a player that everybody's talking about. I like Fiorini, who plays in midfield. I think he's a very, he scored the goal in the Youth Cup. Um, I think he's a very talented young player as well. Um, but there are there are not 11 of that quality, I don't think, that, that, that are equal, perhaps, at the moment, to Liverpool's under-23s. Mm. Collectively, so that that's where the difference lies, uh, and it's whether or not Pep would have took them all away. I mean, this isn't a Liverpool podcast, but no, no. you know, should Pep have, should uh, Klopp, I mean, have done that? Was he right to take them away? Let's keep that brief. But do, do you see? I think it, do, he was <clears throat> he was right to take if once he'd made the decision. If, once he's made the decision, he's right to have done what he did. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. That's his decision. The, the thing that really, really annoyed me was the fact that he didn't want to manage him. Now, I know it's the under-23 team and he's their manager, but I'll, I'll harp it back to something personal that happened to me years ago when I was playing rugby that we, we basically fulfilled a fixture for our first team and um, we were expecting, you know, the, the, the physios, um, everything. We were expecting the physios, the manager, you know, the, the, the lot. We didn't get any of it. Now, we, we stepped up to take the first... We thought we were going to... And it was a big anti-climax for us. Now, I would imagine that them under 23 lads, can you imagine having Jurgen Klopp in the changing room, giving them all his words of wisdom, having him sat on the bench calling the names? That's a big deal. Now, to me, to not have the manager there doing that, I know this other guy, I don't know what his name is, the other, other guy is their manager, but wouldn't it have been a great gesture for Jurgen Klopp to have been there? I just thought it showed disrespect for his own players, the under-23 guys, the fans, and, and to some extent Shrewsbury because they didn't get the full treatment that they could were expecting. I don't know. I, the, 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 the not selecting the team, that's up to him. It's his team. He can do what he wants. But I just think it was a little bit not classy of him to do not turn up on the day. I, I don't know. I think... 
I think once he got once he got the result, almost everything he did was justified. Mm. I think he, he got his one 0 result. He's into the next round of the cup. His entire squad has got the holiday as he initially promised. He's got his holiday, which I'm sure he would have wanted. I think he's entirely justified. I think. I think he's done yeah, nothing that's, wrong. That's because he got the result he wanted. Yeah, precisely. Let's, but let's it, have a look the flip side. But it's like when we lost 5-1 at Stamford Bridge with all the kids in the FA Cup, and it's pretty much the yeah. same reason. It wasn't an official winter break, but Pellegrini said, I want to give them all a rest. But because we got trounced 5-1, that was the disrespect. That was, ah, you put a team of kids out to lose. If we'd have got a draw or got a good result, everyone would have been saying, you know, Pellegrini masterclass. But it was the result, wasn't it? That's well, the think, only thing. I think, I think there is time and, and enough evidence that there needs to be some reform and and how get, getting rid of the, the League Cup I don't think is the answer. I think first of all we should consider scrapping a two leg semi final. I think that's that's number one. Um but then sorry, but then do you have to have the se- the semi final at Wembley? Well no, I mean no. that's the next point I was gonna say is that from the semi final of both competitions we should go back to having neutral grounds, yeah. one game, um and and perhaps Rather like the German model, which I do like, is that in their one main domestic cup, um, you, you're basically drawing the lower-ranked team as the home team from the first uh, first le- first leg, uh, first round, sorry, and um, and then they can opt to forgive that right and play at the bigger team stadiums. So if they, if they desire to do so, and that game is settled on the night. It, there is no replay and it's done and dusted. And so you don't hear people talking about the, the Pokal getting in the way of the Bundesliga, not at all. So I think we've got to look at that and say, is there something we can learn from that? And if it's just about commerciality, if it's just about putting more and more players on the pitch and squeezing them and getting the most out of them, um, then why is anybody from any of these football clubs complaining? Because their superiors should be saying to them as employees... Shut up. We've taken our piece of silver and that's it. We're contracted to do this. What are you going on about it for? So I think that's the that's the the, the next step is to consider reform, I think, of of the of the domestic trophies and perhaps just reducing the amount of time the players have to play would be a good starting point. Do you, do you, this is a slightly more light-hearted area potentially to go into, but do you miss the days when games were played in all weathers? I mean, I'm not quite old enough to remember the, uh, you know, the the ballet on ice in 1967, but I've seen clips of it. It was a game played on on a frozen pitch against Spurs, City against Spurs at Main Road. Um, and the players who played in that game, I've interviewed for Colin Bell's book and another many, many times actually over the years. And they talked about they took their studs off the the, the top of the stud and left the the spike, the the sort of not quite a nail, but you know that that metal bit the, exposed. The cleat. Yeah. So and and that gave them extra grip, and that was why they new word there from Will. I've never heard before. Um, that um, you know that left that bit that sharp bit exposed, which gave them the extra grip. And match of the day at the time said one of the greatest of games they'd ever seen. It hasn't happened as much recently, but I've seen Nigel Gleghorn playing goal uh, and a snowy Walsall. Um, you know, and, and players could almost pick up snowballs and throw them around during the game. We don't see that as much anymore. Um, we see games now played on absolutely perfect pitches. Um, do you miss that? I mean, because because the weather used to, to to be a great leveler and used to used to add to the drama yeah, I, of football, didn't it? I think oh, <clears throat> Ronnie Radford. Yeah, that's all. I can Harryford. just thinking of Ronnie Radford when you're saying that. I don't think there was a blade of grass on that pitch that day. Um, Just for people who don't know what that is, that's Hereford against Newcastle in the FA Cup. It's one from outside the box, right into the top corner. It's showed a lot in this country anyway, but that just so that people know what that is. Um, and yeah, quite clearly, we can't make any comparison with Colin Bell or, for that matter, George Best with anyone of the modern era because you just have to look at the services they played on and the kind of defending that they had to put up with and the kind of refereeing that they had to had to put up with in those in those times so uh, yeah of course there's a bit of me that misses it and playing playing football playing rugby you know in some terrible on terrible conditions snow ice uh, quagmires you know almost drowning with your head in the mud um so yeah it's it, it's probably not something you want to harp, harp back to too much but you you know you, you are leveling things out 
by playing on these great pitches and level, you know, League One, League Two teams are more than capable of of playing great football on on good surfaces now. So. I don't think the away game is as much of a threat to the big teams as it once was. I know this is going slightly back to what we've already covered, and uh, we've covered about the, you know, we've given our views on whether or not the game against West Ham should have been off. Um, but it, it, there was a little bit of that question that I was going to forward on a little bit. Obviously, the West Ham fans would have had tra- uh, dis- problems travelling to this game, and City have got more and more fans who come from further afield now. And that's obviously what the club want as, as we move forward. Um, so you do have to look at the Bournemouth fans who travelled to Sheffield United and wonder how that game went on if they were worried about West Ham fans getting to City. Uh, and if you think back a couple of years to when we played, the year we played Arsenal in the Cup, cup and then a few days later we played them in the league. Now, I live in Oldham and at that day, when and I, and I shot this, and if you look at the vlog from that particular game, I left Oldham in, in the most... Blizzard conditions. It was terrifying, really, walking around in Oldham, getting the car out it is of anyway, Oldham. mate. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like that all the way down, and, and and there was a bit of me thinking, I hope this game is off, so I don't have to go. But once I got there, or certainly once I was halfway there, and things improved a little bit, I thought, I don't want it called off now. I'm here now, mm. you know. And then when I got to the ground, outside the ground, all the area around. Arsenal was covered in snow there were people having snowball fights um, and yet the game went ahead so it's very very difficult to make these decisions isn't it on that basis and uh, I mean and the, but yeah those are the games that you, you tell your stories about to your well, kids I, aren't they you remember, I remember <laughs> sort of like Gerald Sinstat on the telly and they had orange balls, didn't they? And they just had the line marked out, you know, the it's snow cleared off. No, not that. <laughs> Before the days of the naked sunbed. <laughs> but you just, you can just, as soon as you mention, like, you know, the game's called off, you look at, you, you just see that image, don't you, of marked out pitches and they're just playing in any, they're playing anything. You were going on about barging the goalie in the net in a minute, yeah. <laughs> you know, wearing flight caps. <laughs> Them rattles. There was a game uh, uh, that was brought up on uh, on social media today that I was actually the stadium announcer for for a game in the cup against I think it was the League Cup against Ipswich, and uh, I'm on the PA system and it, the, the the game's it's pretty much waterlogged as the game's kicking off, but the referee decided to give it a go like they do see if the rain eased and whether the water drained away it didn't City took the lead. The second Ipswich equalised, which is about 15 minutes into the game, I get the message in the PA box, can you announce that the game is now going to be abandoned? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, they're all going to boo me. I mean, I shouldn't take it personally, but it's me that's going to make them. And as I did that announcement, the whole place was boo! And all, so that came flooding back. Yeah. <laughs> you like that, all leading Wee. up to that punch on, but it's true. It's it true. The one that I can think of... Um, couple of years back at Turf Moor, was it? It was absolutely peeing it down. And we were like five, six nil up. And all the Burnley fans were trying to get the game called off. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's another factor these days. Isn't it? VAR presumably would come in to look at the, uh, the level of water or something. Now, I, I, I remember one, a couple, a, a, it was last season, a couple of seasons ago. And it was at home. And it was a bit rough, the weather. But then all of a sudden, it just downpoured. And... Is the game on? Is it off? It the was Concord? Leicester. Was it Leicester? Yeah, it was. So, yeah. It was. Leicester, so I, yeah. I was in the Conny Club just up the road on Ashton New Road there, and one of the one of the older guys, you know, everybody goes down a bit early, does their own match day ritual. So stuck his head out. I was watching him on the CTV, CCTV, which stuck his head out, and he oh, and came back in. Oh, he says it's terrible out there. So oh, don't be mad. So we all sort of stood up to go, stuck our heads out. Cut a long story short, we didn't even get in the ground. <laughs> We just stayed in the Connor Club and watched it. We, we, we told everybody we went to the game, but we didn't. We stayed in the Connor Club and watched it. Then we fell out about 10 o'clock at night after a 2 o'clock kick-off or something. Oh, the very, very best postponement I've ever had, from my point of view, 
Um, there was, as a lot of people will know, um, I've basically gone to every game home and away forever, right, right back to the 70s. There was a little tiny bit when I worked at the BBC where I had no choice and I had to miss a few games and it, and it, it was, I found it devastating, very, very <laughs> difficult to deal with. And City played Tottenham away in the middle of this uh, and Jurgen Klinsmann was playing. I'd never seen him play and he was a big superstar and everything like that and I thought, oh, I've got to go to White Hart Lane and see Jurgen Jurgen Klinsmann dive as Andy was demonstrating, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. And, uh, but I've got to see this game, and and it got to about an hour before kickoff, and I'm sitting in a studio in Manchester. I'm the one who's going to be producing the program, and I'm hearing go, yeah, yeah, teams are out now, and it's absolutely killing me. And then eventually, oh, there's a deluge here. The game could be in doubt, and I'm going, come on, come be on. off, be <laughs> off. The game was called yeah. off, and when it was replayed midweek, I was able to. You went to so there is, yeah. That is the cloud in the silver the old, the old and rain dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he was telling me that he, he had a game called off because of smog, you know, back in the day. <laughs> it's probably Jack the Ripper that was out there causing all the problems, yeah. Um, anyway, the game's off. Um, uh, I'm going to read out a few questions, by the way. Have I brought my glasses with me? Yeah, I brought my glasses with me, so I'm going to read a few questions out. I, there's, there's just one while, you, while, while you're digging your glasses out. You might need to help him with them, Will. He can't find them. Um, He's, somebody, somebody brought it up on Twitter about it. And it's, it's a really interesting. I, mean, I don't think there's anyone here can answer this, but it's a really good point. When is a game called off like this? We're sort of like we're all thinking of ourselves, how we get there and how we don't get there, and all the players and this. And that. What did he do with the food? What you know? All the caterers. Trust you to think of that. <laughs> Trust you to think. Oh, what about all that beer? No, but there is. I mean, because obviously they've they, they've got to prepare the food for when you know, like you know. The, the tunnel club come in and all the rest of it so there must be loads of like little burgers there waiting for somebody to eat <laughs> so I mean it's probably what they're paying the staff with instead of actual money yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well um, you know it, it's alleged that once or twice I might have partaken of a touch of hospitality <laughs> in the, at the club and alleged I can tell club. you that we talked about Sunderland they'll be there now doing partaking Sunderland and, <laughs> and Gladback games as Ian said um, the, <laughs> the early arrivals were in and, um, and we sat there and, and filled our faces with the food because oh. it was going to waste anyway and um, and carried on and then there was no football oh. and, um, Did you notice? Uh, yeah, <laughs> actually and of course the, the, the other thing is everyone's paid up to a certain time anyway so you know, um, you got a lock in yeah, yeah. the tunnel club. No, 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 no. Before, pre, pre then, pre, the, pre then, and, and it was, it was great. You know, you just you, uh, you're telling me this now. So my missus has met, my missus has met David Silver. <laughs> I was in the legend. You said if I'd have got there before they announced it, I could have got a lock in with my mate Jonah. Uh, is that what you're saying? I think you, you could have had your nose in the trough all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, OK, I've got my first question here. This is from Gareth Hayes, who said, uh, first of all, he said, are you doing a podcast tonight? So clearly the answer is yes. Can you bring it up that uh, about the club and what they're doing about a statue for legends like Sergio, Vinny and David? We need to have one of these up at the ground, I feel, to remember these great player, players, see loads of grounds with them. So we have... Talked about statues before, but given that Gareth has asked the question, what are you, what's your view on that? I mean, should that be imminent? I mean, some people think that statues should only be people who've died, certainly people who've left the club, uh, and Sergio hasn't left the club yet, no, Vinny has, and David Silva's gone at the end of the season. Views on that? I think I think once this era has finished, whatever era you want to call it, you know, Aguero leaving or Pep leaving or... Once we can say yes, that was that was the championship winning era. Then maybe we can think about a statue. But if they're still playing for your club, it, I, say, I think it's ridiculous. You're almost commemorating them before they've gone, and you do that afterwards, don't you? I think it's a bit like putting Stephen Hendry on "This Is Your Life" when he's thirty. <laughs> frankly, I was going to say Stephen. Uh, Stephen Hendry, by the way, snooker, snooker player. player. I'll, I'll fill in all yeah, the gaps. Sorry, I forget. The audience <laughs> might not know. Uh, yeah, frankly, it's ridiculous to think about having statues for for players who are just finishing their careers or or have only recently finished them. And I think Will's made exactly the right point. There's a certain point in time when we'll know it's right and we know pretty much who uh, would be candidates for recognition. And I think that's the time to talk about it. It's too early. Nothing much more to say, really. I just think the statue, it'll just be somebody there to vandalise, won't it? Um, you'll be having people travelling up, you know, from United and from Liverpool to come and daub red paint on it or something. So, I, what a statue? 
I love statues, by the way, so I'd be in favour. I'm not sure when, but... Um, yeah, but not, well, not now, it's too too soon. You, you made the point when we talked about it last time, you wouldn't have an individual and you'd have... And a group, yeah. The yeah. Holy Trinity. Yeah, yeah. Although, personally, Yaya would be in there, so it'd be four of them. Well, yeah, I knew you'd have VAR in. I always remember that. Um, v- did you say VAR then? No, 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 yeah, yeah. Don't be silly. Mind your language. Could I have watching a big TV. Yeah. Stockley Park. Uh, the, uh, the, I know that uh, many, many years ago, uh, there'd uh, been um, the Dixie Dean statue outside Goodison Park got painted bright red the morning of Derby Day. And, you know, you think of things like that and what that could. You could mean to home fans and how that would rail, um, you know. Now, of course, that's not a reason not to have one. No, though, but, surely. But but well, I think we've got to, you know have some re- respect around security around such things. Let's say that would be my concern if it was just left, you know, uh, with somebody like Paul said to. I mean, Ibrahimovic's statue's been getting plenty of abuse in <laughs> Sweden um, because he's gone back to the back back to the country and. Started playing or managing one of the closest rivals. I, I, so. I've got a, a Man City garden home in my back garden, and, <laughs> and, and somebody, somebody painted that red. So that's oh. the kind of standard that we're looking at with these United fans, isn't it? <laughs> but no class. What, what a thought that is in <laughs> Paul's back garden. Anyway, Rod, John Rogers by Twitter. Um, you got Jarmers uh, as well. <laughs> has asked the, the question really, which I think we've already answered. When a game is called off in the morning of the match, what happens to all the food? He's obviously a man out of your own. Uh, Up City have given some away to make sure it's not wasted I suppose this is more of a serious question maybe homeless and people like that and obviously they've supported Tackle for Manchester Vinnie and Andy Burnham's charity so maybe like to hope that, that that's probably where some of it's gone how much does it actually cost to postpone a game given that the cost can be reduced by making decisions earlier a serious question is why was this not done earlier I mean because it was being televised at prime time Sunday, so they would have left that until they absolutely had to before I mean, they made we, a decision. See, we there knew wasn't that many matches on either, was it? Because of this break. Yeah, yeah. true. So we knew that this storm was coming. Uh, I mean, yesterday, John Baker, our travelling partner, when we got to European games, I saw him tweet out, "You know, is the game?" Somebody said, "Is the game likely to go ahead?" And he said, "Highly doubt it." So he. Just like lots of us were, were wondering, is this game going to go on? I mean, I saw the weather forecast and it said the worst of it will be over by 8am. Turns out it was a little bit off the mark. It was another couple of hours at least before it was. But I, they could have, I mean, if it had been called off the night before, I suppose there would have been more complaints about why has it been called off so early. But it would have stopped the West Ham fans setting off so early. <clears throat> it has saved all that food and drink. Um, and it would have, you know, potentially... You know, made the decision more palatable to people who you're had damned, You're damned if you don't, yeah. you're damned if you do. So you can imagine that the, the, the game goes on and then, um, I don't know, the wind gets up, blows off some hoardings or something and kills a supporter. Then all of a sudden we've got this, you know, we've got this, why did the game go on, health and say, and you can't, whatever you do, you ain't going to please somebody. If you're living local... You know, it's like it's like today when the weather got better. It, yeah, we, I could have gone down there and not been an issue, but that's me. These these fifty thousand people you got, and the staff that you've got to think about. And, and let's move on to a, a different question. Food. I can't <laughs> James or Hughes empires. by Twitter says FA Cup attendance in the past. We filled games like Fulham as it was actually a chance to see us beat someone and progress in the competition. Due to the cost of doing well on everybody, it's becoming difficult and people start to pick and choose. Ticket reduction is not all that. The cost of going there and, and buying food and everything else is, is, is the same. So I suppose it is, without directly asking a question, though, the subject of uh, FA Cup attendance and how you get... Is it just a case of... Reducing ticket prices, or you know, can can you can you solve that that conundrum? I, I think any of us, all of us, have been going for a while. I don't think anything's changed. I, I don't. I just think there's a core who go, and then there's um, some who are there, you know, frequently, yeah. but not every game. And I don't think it's changed. I don't think it's it's uh, the fan base hasn't exploded, uh, and I think that's the the core point. So I think, you know, only the fact that City are now in the headlights, if you like, uh, is it raised 
and it's not it's only raised in, in ironic terms or complaining about the cost by our, our own fans. So I think we do miss an opportunity to engage with more fans. I think that's something that from time to time we have seen ticket prices encourage better attendances. That said that, though, that, Fulham is, is the example he's yeah. using, James, and I detected at that Fulham game a lot of young fans who presumably got mm -hmm. in on very, very cheap prices. Mm -hmm. And because I spend an awful lot of time these days walking around outside the ground and I see a lot more of the fans than I once did when I was sat in there commentating, I could see loads and loads of parents with a child Single parent with a child. I don't mean they were single parents, but you know, a single parent bringing a child, whether it be a mum bringing a son or a dad bringing a daughter or whatever it might be. I saw an awful lot of that. So they are the club are doing that, aren't they? Well, they are. But then was it a couple of weeks back <coughs> where we had some complaints about there was uh, a large group of kids in yeah. the north stand and they celebrated yeah. the. Yeah. I think if we want to encourage this sort of stuff, then we have to accept the fact that there are going to be some kids who are coming, uh, taking advantage of the cheap tickets, who aren't City fans. And if you want a full ground, you have to. Ex you can't have it both ways. You can either have 30,000 hardcore loyal fans or you can have 50,000 where it's going to be a bit of both. I, th I don't think you can have it both ways. Uh, I think we've kind of discussed this slightly before. These, these few sets of fans you've got... You've got, I'd say, you're hardcore like you, Ian. I put you in that bracket where you will move heaven and earth to get to the match. Yeah. Then. Anoraks, I think they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank but you. you've got you've got that hardcore, and I would probably say maybe 500 of them. I don't. I'm putting a figure on it. Then you've got a group of we will go to as many matches as we can, but if something comes up, that the game takes. You know, whatever comes up, more important to express it over the game. And I put myself in that bracket, and that's probably because I've got I own a business. And maybe Andy, I would put you probably yeah. in that. Although I know you, you, you were into yeah. all the corporate stuff as well with your business. So, yeah. and then so, then you've got a set of fans that like or pick and choose games, and then you've got fans who probably aren't even city fans who just turn up with the the shopping bags. They got the you know the, from China and all the rest of the other countries. And you're missing one crucial <clears throat> one. There are fans who cannot afford exactly to yeah. go. So a city, city's probably got I would say a hardcore of maybe thirty thousand fans. I would you know give or take five thousand maybe on that. So. They're always going to be going to these matches as best as they can. So it's filled up with uh, journey fans, you know, travelling supporters, people from the schools, the free tickets. It don't really matter how much you charge for a ticket, whether it's a fiver or a tenner, people still can't get there because of maybe it's not just the price. I think a lot of it is the logistics of getting there during the week. Midweek games are a nightmare for me. Um, Sunday games are as, as difficult, you know. Once you started taking the five, you know, the, the three o'clock kickoffs away and stuff like that, where you could set your stall out, there's that many games because we've we 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 got knocked out of the cups early rounds years ago, so it didn't really matter to us. We got a, you know, we got a cup run that was like fantastic, wasn't it? Mm. We we so we're in all the cups, we're doing all this. So there's that many games. You've got to pick and choose. The average common man has to pick and choose what he does. So it doesn't matter how much you charge. You know, it's it's always going to be an issue. And while you've got other fans having to go empty seats and all the rest of it, that highlights it. Social media highlights it. At the end of the day, I don't give a monkeys. You know, if us four are sat in that stadium, just us four watching the game, I'm not bothered because we're four passionate supporters. You know, you can keep your fans who just wander in and watch the odd game and, vid you know, watch the game through a phone. I'm not bothered about them. We've still got a hardcore, if we drop down divisions now, we've still got a hardcore of 25,000, 30,000 that will go into the lower divisions with us. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. We can't, we can't do anything about anything modern society because it is what it is now. Here's a secondary question that comes from that. I know, I know you want to say something, Andy, but okay. Wembley's on the way and I, quite a few City fans have contacted me to say, I'm going to give this one a miss. I've been 16, 17 times or whatever. Um, it's, it's another League Cup final. And I know there'll be people listening to thinking, oh, that's a very entitled thing to say. But they're saying, well, 
The reason I'm not going is A, the cost, which is not just the match ticket, but it's also all the transport. And it's at 4.30 on a Sunday, which means that we won't get back till very late on the Sunday. And I have to go to work or, I have to, or my kids have to go to school or whatever. And so this is just going, it's just too much. If it was the first League Cup final we'd ever been in, I'd have moved heaven and earth to get there. But it isn't. It's the... You know, the, the fifth, sixth, even I've lost count of how many there's been that we've been in in recent years. So uh, there's a possibility I might have to find money for Istanbul or I might have to find money for Madrid or another FA Cup semi-final at Wembley and then a final at Wembley. I've got to draw the line somewhere. And I actually wonder whether there are going to be a whole lot of people who don't go, I don't mean thousands and thousands and thousands, but significant numbers who will miss Wembley um, because of 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 that factor, I think um, I think you, you know. The, first of all, I've had people ask me, "Do you know anyone where I where I can get a ticket from?" Which is kind of against the grain a little bit. I haven't heard anybody's. I've heard everyone bitching about the the kick off time, about the cost of getting down there. Will we get back? Is it a night over? Uh, the cost of ticket prices for the league up and are high for for the categories of for, for good for good viewing. Um, we have lost that, let's say, uniqueness 18 times in, including the Tottenham games in uh, 10 years, let's say. I think if you've got young kids, it's a problem. You'd want to take them if it was their first Wembley trip. But it's impossible to think about school the next day. So the problem that I see is the kickoff time, purely and simply, for the people who are travelling to that. And the decision is probably, you know, certainly in my family... Um, one of us isn't going because that's just not possible to to practically um, you know fit it in with with work commitments, and that's a real disappointment. And part of that, I suppose, is well, it's not new, is it? It's, you know, perhaps getting a little bit conceited, really, by the fact that you know it's just the League Cup and we've been there. It's I don't know. I think you're making a good point, but um, I haven't heard anybody directly say to me. I'm just going to give it a miss because, well, it's on the box. A bit like the Fulham game, really. It's terrestrial TV. Although that'll be on paper, pay channel, won't it? The, the yeah, Sky. <clears throat> um, I have to admit, I've never been to a League Cup final. <laughs> um, I tend to work Sundays and it tends to always be on a Sunday. So, um, And it, it tends to work enough. We've never lost one, have we, in the modern era? So... I think I'm going to keep up the charm of not going, really. Um, I also can't justify I'm going on holiday. So, yeah, it, it does. it's not even affecting me in the slightest, really. I know I can't go. I know I can't justify it. And I probably feel more comfortable not being there, like I say, because it's the, the charm of it all. I, you know, I don't like Wembley. You know, I don't like the whole experience. And I think it's because <coughs> most of the time I've got to sit down. I hate sitting down at the football. You know, I can stand up at home and I can stand up at away matches. I can't stand up at Wembley unless you get certain areas. So I get my, te- my, my, my seats through the, uh, the supporters clubs. Um, so they have a designated area and it's not only right at the back. So you've got to sit down because everyone starts whistling at you because you stood up and showing a bit of passion. So You should contact, the, by the way, the 1894 group. They might have a right. section at Wembley yeah, where yeah. they're all gathering together. Just a thought. Usually, yeah, yeah. It's usually right behind the net. Yeah. I think, especially with the League Cup final, the allocations, the biggest, uh, apart from, I think, any semi-final games that we play there. So it's not not like the FA Cup, where a great big chunk of it is taken up by the FA, uh, well, the FA and their association referees and other another people who represent the uh, football in this country. I mean, just a, 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 by the, an idea to try and generate a bit of interest would be... Maybe, you know, like they used to do with before, you used to get points. But maybe if you sort of like went to so many oh. FA Cup games, uh, sorry, any, any Cup games, if we got to the final and you'd been to so many Cup games, you got a free Cup final ticket. You know, and then that would maybe want people, you know, people would start where they think, oh, I'll give it a miss this because it's, you know, it's a quarter final, whatever. But if you go to as many games as you can, and we get to the final, City turn around and go, you know, thanks for your support. We're going to put on, you know, a free ticket for you. I 
I think it worked very well last year when they put a ruckload of coaches on. Mm. They could have had more. I reckon they did have all been taken up, and it just gives that option to people who, you know, the transport is well outside their sort of financial range. A free bus there and back. You're laughing, aren't you? I think yeah. it's well, such an well, easy option. Well, it's good to know that with every fifth service at Prestige Car Repairs, you get a free one. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is worth uh, saying. Next week's podcast, which you're assuming that the there isn't a last-minute West Ham match being rearranged for next Sunday, which I don't think is going to happen, but let, let's let's just put that in as a little rider. Assuming that doesn't happen, the plan is that I will be sitting here again with members of the City Matters Committee, who we had here a few weeks ago, when that conversation happened, it was mainly about away games and ticket points and all this sort of thing. At the request of people who've contacted me on social media, the next one, which will be next Sunday, will be much more about the things that affect home supporters. So that might be parking, it might be transport, it might be speed of beer. And that's a big one for you. Yeah. So if you've got questions, by the way, please feel free to send me those questions on social media uh, during the week. But that's the plan next week. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to do that. Now here's a big one uh, in terms of questions. <laughs> uh, James Hughes, uh, another question from him, but he's not the only one who's asked this sort of thing. He's, this, is, this is his words on social media. Pep. Uh, the presser yesterday was asked about players coming in to City because of him. First time, it, well, just to explain, I was at the press conference and people's the question was something like, um, the fact that you haven't committed to a long term now, will it be harder to sign players now? Because a lot of players say that they come because of you, because of Pep. So to carry on the question, he, uh, uh, James says he thinks it was the first time he felt that he answered the question as if he was definitely going at the end of the season. In the past, he's always said he may go on longer. He didn't yesterday. He says, obviously, he does want him for longer. Another guy, Steve B, says, future of Pep Guardiola. This is a subject I want you to talk about. Hope he stays, by the way. Why fans negative? Uh, when we have done so well and still in three cup competitions. Two different questions, but sort of related maybe to this Pep future thing. So as three fans here, um, are you worried? Are you? Do you want clarity? I mean, what, do, do you worry that next, <clears throat> nobody came in January? We've talked about why that might be, FFP, uh, millions of other things. One of the possibilities is if Pep knows he's going... It's harder to sign players, just as that question came from the media. So does does, does Pep need to clarify his position? Um, yes and no. Um, yeah, Thanks for that yeah. clear <laughs> answer there from Paul. <laughs> See you <Yes>. next week. <laughs> I mean, of course he does. He, he, he does, but in, in, in modern football, you can't. You know, if he, if he shows his hand now, I personally think he's going at the end of the season. I know, I know you've heard stuff, Ian, and you know, and and I've heard from another source about it as well. So, I personally think he's going at the end of the season, and it all ties in with other stuff that you sort of, you know, you if you if you think that Pep's going at the end of the season, then all these other things that we're talking about kind of fit into place. Arteta going and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it, from that point of view, he needs to clarify it. But if he turns around now and says he's going. We've still got a long way to go yeah. in this season and we're still in all the cup competitions so it can unstabilise the club. So he's quite right in not sort of saying it, but from from another part of view, you want to know what's going on, but it's modern football, he can't. But it's like when, when we first signed Pep, it was like February, wasn't it? So we had to announce that Pellegrini was going at the end of the season and from that point, we just fell away. Yeah. The, play, the players knew they didn't really have much to fight for. You mean for. like they are at the moment? Almost a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing's official, obviously, but it it feels very similar. But if the players know. Yeah. Um, well, it's a tricky one. Uh, I like to ask tricky questions. Um, I would say, keep you on your for terms. me, as a just personal view, I would love to have clarity, yes. As a player, uh, deciding on your future, there's no doubt that you would want to know whether Guardiola was staying or not. So I think the answer is, of course it affects a player's decision. No doubt. Uh, it's bound to. I don't think... Uh, in the same way that we would all agree that um, there are definitely players who have come to the club, not just for the benefit of playing for the club and the rewards that it brings, but for, for improvement under under Guardiola. Um, I find it a bit strange, at, at least, um, 
take the Bundesliga where you get managers saying, you know, very early on in the season that they'll be managing yeah. one yeah, of the other teams. And and yet I don't necessarily see that drop off that Will mentioned, but I'm not that intimately following um, much of the of the games there. But it's it, at first when you hear about that, you think that's weird. You know, it's strange that you've got this, um, you know, certainty about contracts that have been signed and the managers are playing against the team they're managing next season in a few weeks' time. So, Val Benyon, by the way, asked a question which we have answered about the fixture pile up because of all the, you know, the extra games now that are going to be played. So, uh, I don't know, I didn't give you a mention before, Val, but thanks for that question. Um, uh, Blue Ranger um, asks a very different type of question. Is Edison the right goalkeeper for City? Amazing with his feet and very few handling errors, but we see very few wonder saves. I think that's because we don't allow the opposition to have many shots. I think, like we saw with Spurs, they, they only, they're only taking two or three shots in a game and scoring with most of them. So I think he's not... <sighs> We're, just because we're not getting peppered with shots from outside the box that he can then make a, a photographic save on doesn't mean that he's not got the ability. I think that's a strange. That suggests to me that then that you have you 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 don't agree with the reason for that question, which I, I assume is that Blue Ranger feels he should be making more saves, and he's not as good as a goalkeeper as he is with his feet. I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I get, I, I get the point, but I think a lot of people say, "Oh, da David de Gea is one of the world's greatest goalkeepers," but that's because United are conceding 15 to 20 shots a game, and he's getting an opportunity to make lots of saves. When Edison, Edison's conceding two goals against two shots faced, it does look bad, but I don't think it's a reflection on his shots, shot stopping ability. I'm quite happy to have him saving saves that he makes. You know, if the, if he's not having to make worldy saves then that says something about our defence closing yeah. the midfield down and, and what have you. So Well, let me take this, let me push it a little bit more, the question, because um, obviously that's my job really, isn't it? Um, against a lot of opposition, um, maybe the goalkeepers don't have to make many <coughs> saves and maybe it doesn't matter if they don't make too many saves. That's the way Pep's team is designed. When it comes to Real Madrid at home and away in the Champions League, when it comes to the big competition games in the uh, FA Cup which are bound to happen at some stage might not be as crucial this season in the Premier League because it looks fairly safe that City are going to make top four but equally they're not going to win the Premier League so it's only going to be in those big cup ties are you quite you know if and when Edison has to make a big save this is the this is the core of the question are you confident that Edison is that goalkeeper well I mean I'm not going to change my view that I shared with you at White Hart Lane when I was stood behind you for the game. I don't only think it's Edison. I think we've got two goalkeepers that are struggling to answer that question, really. I would say with their feet, I don't think anyone's better than Edison. What he brings is, is, is perhaps compensated for his lack of, of shot-stopping. But at the moment, we do seem to be going into this you know, shots on goal, we have lots. Loris is man of the match last week and they have two or five in two games and four goals and the stat statisticians come out. We've had how many red cards as goalkeepers this season? Anybody know? But yeah. in the big games, I think we've got to be asking the question, um, what do you want from your ideal goalkeeper? And there is no doubt that two seasons of sheer pleasure have uh, passed where we know, no one would dare question Edison's performances because he's been integral to the way we played and I think because we've dropped and we know we don't need to go into the defensive uh, gaps necessarily we don't put as many in and there are a few, few shots being stopped when they're actually on goal these are facts, these are stats you can dig out and it's not just one isolated game so I think it's a fair question whether or not I've given you the answer, I'm not sure. But I think there has to be some some doubt around his performances. Yeah, I am. It's not so much around his shot stopping. I have probably uh, the whole team was probably giving me this feeling, but I don't feel as confident in Edison this season as I have over the last two. Whether that's what she's getting at, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it's necessarily shot stopping. I don't think we've really noticed. 
because he was never known for his shot stopping over the last couple of seasons anyway, to be honest. It was always been about his distribution. But I have felt less confidence because he's made some rash decisions coming out. You know, he's come off his line too soon where last season he'd do it and get away with it. This season he's not got away with it and, you know, silly little things. So, But I think the whole team's done that. You know, there's everybody on that pitch is making stupid mistakes. So I'm not as confident in the whole team. So... You know, I, I think I think we're we're seeing these things now because the, the we're not winning as many. Yeah. And when you're not winning as many, you start picking and you start looking further. I don't think there's any goalkeeper I'd rather have though. I honestly don't. No. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, this is the last one for this podcast. As I say, next week, um, City Matters. So if you've got questions that you'd like to ask of the City Matters committee, there are going to be three or four of them, not quite sure yet, who's going to be sat here, then feel free to message me on social media. But this one, there's a, a few questions here. Um, we've covered a little bit of some of them, um, but we'll, we'll whiz through these. Abdullahi uh, Daljug, I hope I've pronounced that name right. couple of questions here. Summer transfers, Champions League win hopes this season, young players' first opportunities... Low knees and their performances. Analysis on the current squad. That's a whole. That's a whole podcast. That lot. <laughs> yeah. So what I will say is because this ties in with another question that I saw, which so and we've talked about obviously young Phil before, Phil Folden. So he's talking about young players' opportunities as one of his questions. Um, now that City seem to be out of the running in the Premier League, do you want to see? Eric Garcia, Phil Foden, Harwood, Taylor Harwood Bellis, uh, and, and others just playing. Uh, and and it doesn't matter if City lose a few games now in the Premier League. Forget forget resting, forget fixture pileups. That's not what I'm asking you. Would you want now to say, look, might as well for the rest of the season just play these youngsters, let them sink or swim? Well, I, I would say, given the position we're in, the answer is yes. And I think the model was what Ferguson did and keeping the bench full of the stars, letting the young ones have a go. So the other side of that argument is we do what you've just suggested. Yeah. They'll lose a few games. Well, you um, can't go worse than four. That's got Dave, to be there. David White, though, was on the, the podcast last week. I hope you listened to that if you haven't downloaded it and listened to it. And he was uh, wondering about the momentum of... If you if if you've lost your momentum in the Premier League and then suddenly you have a game against Real Madrid, you can't suddenly switch it back on again. So that could equally apply to if you're playing some of the youngsters in the Premier League and they lose a couple of games and then suddenly uh, you bring back the players you've you've who've not played because the youngsters have been accommodated, can they just switch back on? That's that's for them to answer, isn't it? That's whether they're mentally tough enough to do that. I. I... I, I, I've discussed this before with my friends and we've sort of said, you know, rather than experiment in the Cups, the league's gone. Let's experiment in the league because, you know, as long as we you know qualify for Europe, we're not really, whether you finish second or fourth, it makes no difference, does it, at this stage? It's only about the winners. So let's experiment in the Cups, uh, in, in the league as opposed to the Cups and let's try and win all three Cups. But then you bring into the momentum and all the rest of it. The only way you could do that is, I think you was about to say this, was that have, you know, your stars on the bench, put your players in, um, you know, like they're doing, you know, like Klopp again did it in the in the cut where he, he thought, you know, oh, I need to bring the big guns on and he brought the big guns on and, you know, it didn't work. But we could maybe do that, have the big guns on the bench, they're not performing, then bring them on and hopefully be able to turn the game around to build that momentum and kind of rest the players. I don't know, that's why I'm not a football manager, I guess, in the end of the day. That's why I'm not paid big bucks. I, think I just watch it and eat the pies and drink the beer. The problem for me is we're all working under the assumption that we're going to finish second. Mm. I think we have to have another month or two of good results just to sort of sort of cement our Champions League place and then find, yeah, fair enough, experiment, bring the kids in. But there's no guarantee of where we're going to finish the season. There is obviously within the club, maybe, a financial aspect to this because finishing second and finishing fourth makes a big difference to prize money. Um, but I can understand why people are saying, and I think what Will's just said is a, is a good point about not taking it for granted, even though we're in a good position at the moment, second, um, you can't absolutely be certain. It does look 
fairly certain that City will finish in the top four. But there are still 16 games to go. I've lost track now because of the West Ham game. <laughs> well, I think it's about expectation management. Things have developed over the last decade where there's different levels of expectation among City fans than, than we had prior to that. And there are, I'm sure, supporters of Arsenal and Man United who would give anything to be in the position we're in, um, where they've got to still climb the climb the ladder back into that um, Champions well, League area. Sure. No, but it's a fact. And... Uh, you know, we're here wanting our cake and eat it. I think that's that's the problem. And um, something has to, let's say, you have to break an egg or two to make an omelette, don't you? So perhaps we just have to make a, a bold decision on what what is the strategy. And if it is financially driven, then clearly uh, they have to choose on that basis. Let me just throw this last one in now, the little bombshell. If Pep is going in the summer... Do you think he'll be more bothered about keeping a winning record before he moves on to his next club rather than risk it by playing youngsters that he'll never be able to reap the reward from? No, I don't. <coughs> Fair enough. Right, I thought I'd throw it in. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. I think um, if, if theoretically it was Pep's last season, he would want to get as much as he possibly can. And if that's second and a couple of trophies, I think he'd be happy with that. I think he would. I think I think he'll want to go having won the Champions League. I think I don't think the other cups and stuff are really going to bother him. He like he likes his he does list his titles and he always includes yeah. the Community Shield in that. Yeah, uh, I think deep down he all the press are judging this season on whether he wins the Champions League or not. You know we're second in the league, we're in the final, we're in all the cup competitions. Yet the the, the media are still saying. He's having a nightmare of a season. He's he's a fraud. You know, Merson came out the other day with some amazing nonsense. Um, Nothing new there, then. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I think I think he'll want to, he'll want to leave with as many trophies as he can. That's the uh, that's the podcast for for this one. Um, thought we'd be talking about the West Ham game. Um, obviously, thanks very much to CharlesLouis.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors, who you'd be very well advised to go and talk to if you are considering that for you or yours. Uh, and there is a phone number on their website, but have a good look at the website anyway, CharlesLouis.co.uk. Thanks to them. Thanks very much to Paul, to Andy and to Will. We're going to put a chunk of this um, on the YouTube channel that I have, the Forever Blue YouTube channel as well, but it will only be a chunk. Uh, this version, I mean, we're talking nearly an hour and ten minutes here this week, of the podcast will be available, of course, for you to listen to in full. But if you've just listened to in full, you know that anyway, don't you? Uh, right, next week, uh, City Matters Committee. So get your questions in and we'll talk about that because it's, it's the winter break next week. No doubt it'll be a lovely sunny weather and the game could have been played um, and everybody will be kicking their heels and thinking, why are we not playing when we've got all this fixture pile up? We've already talked about that, haven't we? Anyway, see you again next week. Um, whatever you're doing, um, remember, it's great to be a blue, isn't it? Mm-hmm.